It's time for Blessed to Play on EWTN Radio, uncovering the role that faith plays in the lives of sports professionals from around the country. And now, here's your host, Ron Meyer. Fire score! My guest today is a returning guest. Luke Vercoloni had quite a career playing at the professional soccer level. He played for the New England Revolution, the Charleston Battery, the Richmond Kickers, and the Colorado Springs Switchbacks. That adds up to 15 seasons of living out his dream, playing on the pitch. So we'll talk to Luke about his soccer career and what he's doing now. He's helping uh, the pro-life cause and we're going to talk on how he's influencing to save some lives through Save the Storks. I'd like to welcome my good friend, Luke Vercoloni, to Blessed to Play. Luke, great to talk to you. All right, Ron. Awesome to be here. What an honor. Thanks for having me. So the last time we chatted, you were uh, you know, in the grind, so to speak. You were playing for the Richmond Kickers, and uh, I think we were there for the better part of six seasons and did quite well. And then you went to the Colorado Springs Switchbacks, and uh, I think these are the best three years, uh, looking at the stats, at least, of your your soccer career. Uh, you had uh, 104 appearances and 28 goals, so you you found the back of the net uh, quite often. But uh, as you now st- have stepped away from the game and reflecting on your professional career, what are your takeaways from playing soccer for such a long period of time? Yeah, no, it, it was some of my best years, like a fine wine, you know, Ron? just getting better every day. Um, but my takeaways are, um, you know, it's a passion, something I, I love, but at the end of the day, you'll never get fully satisfied through something other than God. I think about the St. Augustine quote, you know, you set our hearts for you, O Lord, and they remain restless until they rest in you. And so I had a lot of great experiences with soccer. It was an awesome career and a blessed lifestyle. Um, and then when it was time, when the Lord called me away, um, you know, those blessings haven't stopped. So um, God is good. So talk about some of the things that you've learned from just competing at a high level. And it is a grind because, you you know, long bus rides and different cities and you're, you're constantly practicing. You have to make sure your body's in top physical condition. You're always uh, aware of your nutrition. So it has to be, it's a very disciplined lifestyle and it, it is a grind, so to speak. Did it wear on you after all those years or that, uh, did you just fill up with passion because you love the game so much? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, at first, you you developed those habits early on, you know, even as a youth. So I've played ever since I was like five years old. Then you play more and more competitively. And then, you know, throughout college, at least that's the system here in the U.S., um, you better have those habits established. Otherwise, you won't make it in the pros. So, you know, you establish those habits of hard work and discipline and perseverance and grit and determination and all those great virtues that can transit um, both on the pitch and off the pitch. Um, but then um, after soccer, you know, you, you continue to, to have those, which is such a blessing. And then um, but by having that, those virtues instilled in you, um, you can definitely translate that to the, the spiritual life as well, like the spiritual disciplines. And I would always think, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm this committed and this passionate about this sport, that, which is temporary, you know, how much more committed and passionate should I be about the faith? And so, yeah, I mean, it's like a relationship in in a way. At first, 
you're really infatuated and you're there's a lot of emotion and a lot of passion but what was able to sustain me for such a long time is just falling in love with the nuances the little things like getting better every day um or you know i i wasn't that in love with the sport itself uh over time at, at first maybe sure but I was more passionate about winning, about getting better, about improving myself and being an example, being a witness. So when I could find joy in those intangible things that had nothing to do with the sport, mm-hmm. that really allowed me to have a sustainable career. And you mentioned fine wine. It, you were like fine wine because you had your, your best years at the end of your career and you were at the top of the game and you went out at on the top of your game. I want to talk about those years uh, with Colorado, with the switchbacks. I mean, you ended your first season with 14 goals and nine assists, and then you were announced to the United Soccer League All-League team and 28 goals in, in these three seasons. So your your, uh, your skill set's supposed to erode, uh, Luke, but you're, you got better. So what happened in Colorado where you had this renaissance of sorts? <laughs> All right. So they put me in an attacking position. So it's not that um complex i the the um you don't become a success over an overnight success usually it's rare and uh in this case it might look like that where i was playing with the richmond kickers and you know captaining the team and leading the team and doing really well but i was playing a number six which is a defensive center mid uh-huh. and when i came to the switchbacks they put me out as the number 10 which is an attacking center mid a uh, very attacking position which i didn't have a lot of experience in, but I really embraced and adapted well. So, you know, I was adaptable and I was talented enough to transition into a new position from a defensive-minded position to attacking-minded position. So those stats did start to add up. So um, I, I give that a lot of the reason behind my continued improvement in recognition and stats. But it was just every season just continuing to get a little bit better over time and staying healthy and by playing more games and more practices, I'd get better and better. And then when I'm putting that opportunity at an attacking position, then it begins to show. So yeah, it, which made it harder to step away because I knew, um, I mean, physically I was still there and, and I was playing some of my best soccer, but, um, you know, the time had come for me to step away and, and then I did that, but yeah, definitely some continued improvement. Yeah. And and uh, certainly had more goal-scoring opportunities, but you still have to find the back of the net and, and did quite well. Blessed to play Ron Meyer. Chatting today with Luke Vercoloni, and that is an Italian last name, folks, if you're wondering. Uh, played 15 seasons of professional soccer. Had the chance to see Luke on several occasions. What a, a talented player he is. And uh, very uh, aware of who he is as a child of God and where his athletic talents come from. And I want to talk about virtues now, Luke, because when you're playing at the professional level, the competitive level, there you have to deal with failure, you have to deal with success, adversity, injuries, all that. Um, did you cognitively think of virtues and, and talk about your faith in light of dealing with all those maybe difficult situations as a professional soccer player? Yeah, the faith helps so much. First and foremost, just the perspective, like there's a lot more to life than this game. And with any sport or any competition, there are challenges or it wouldn't be worth the sweat that you put into it. It wouldn't be worth the, the effort. 
And so, yeah, there are heartache, there are disappointments, there are setbacks. I think about losses, I think about injuries and poor performances and disagreements with your coach. So those things are are really tough. And so how do you manage those? And and you alluded to it, Ron, is is through virtue. And you you use the virtue, these virtues are human excellence throughout our day-to-day life, but they're really exemplified when you're in the public eye um, on a on a sport, a platform like professional athletics is. So I, I think about resilience and perseverance and courage and grit, you know, just being able to get back up and having that faith allows you to know that there's a lot more important things and that this is a forming ground. We're all, all striving for holiness and sanctity. And sometimes like a good father disciplines his child, our Lord will prune the hedges a little bit, so to say, and uh, challenge us. And, and it sucks, but in doing so, we grow in virtue and ultimately it's for our benefit. Um, So uh, I could totally see the correlation between virtues in the spiritual and in the professional sports life as well. And the professional uh, soccer form or playing field, if you will, has a lot of international participation and you're trying to live your life a certain way. Talk about those interactions with your teammates and uh, even opponents and, and how living your faith out uh, did it conflict with that, or was it embraced? What was your take on that? That's a good question. So soccer is probably more Christian than a lot of the other sports, as far as I know and as far as I've witnessed. You know, sport, pro sports gets a really bad rap with all the womanizing and um, all the glory and abuses of that that fame. Mm-hmm. But in uh, minor league pro soccer, where I spent most of my career, you know, there was a lot of faith. I give that credit and you know when guys are coming in from all over the world and different backgrounds and traditions and experiences and sometimes um it gets a little watered down might be the best way saying it where you know you you tend to gravitate towards the lowest common denominator so we we would have so in saying that what i'm trying to say is that it wasn't specifically strong catholic christian Mm -hmm. practices but it was a lot of prayer a lot of bible studies and, and reading so when i took over as captain my last six years of my career, um, I made sure we instilled Bible studies and prayers before games. And, and what happened, we'd have a small group, say four or five, six guys who were really passionate about it, but meeting before practice on a, like once a week and then praying before the games, us doing that, the whole team wanted to join in. And, and ultimately, my last four years with the switchbacks, we were pray, praying before every game. And they kept that tradition for a couple years after I left too, which was cool. Um, I don't think they're still doing it, but they still do have the chaplain in a Bible study. And it was it was cool. Like it, it wasn't like super deep faith per se, but it was really good fellowship. And it was great to pray together and be a, a, that witness in the locker room. Luke, I want you to talk to parents out there because uh, I know soccer is growing at the grassroots level phenomenally. I think it's the fastest growing youth sport in America. Um and the advent of club soccer and parents wanting to push their kids through to be at a certain level. What do you think is the proper perspective? You haven't played at the competitive level. Having children yourself and introducing them to the sport and also them coaching them along and see where their talents uh, will take them. Yeah, and you're right. It's the most popular youth sport, and it's really growing, and it's continued to in, in this country. We have a ways to go compared to the international Seen, um, but hopefully we're making steps in that right direction. But if I were to give advice to parents listening in, I would 
encourage them to focus on the process, um, not necessarily the results. The results are come from the process. So if you can focus on um, developing those virtues and those habits and having the right expectations as well, and that goes hand in hand with the process. So while you're, um, you know, maybe your child has a goal or a dream to play professionally or get a scholarship to college, and those are awesome goals and encourage that, but have more of the emphasis be on the disciplines, the daily disciplines. Are they getting to practice early and, and working out a little more on their own or staying late and um, not necessarily comparing themselves against their teammates or the other team, but more about their own progress and um, really enjoy that process and let, fall in love with that because mm-hmm. that's going to produce the results. So that would be my advice to parents. And often it sounds simple, but often you, you see the opposite. You see the parents like comparing stats or like, is this coach here watching or is, uh, did I get that on video to pass into the recruiter? But if, and those aren't bad things, but the emphasis and the priority needs to be on, are they getting better every day? Are they motivated? Is this something they want to do? And if they are getting better, if they got a good coach and a good environment and they're motivated and working hard and putting in the time and they're continuing to improve, then those results happen. And that's an important mindset because it's very rare to get a college scholarship or to play professionally, but it's not like you lose everything when you don't because you you develop virtue along the way and experience that helps you throughout life. Yeah, some good words there. All right, let's step aside on the other side. We'll talk to Luke Vercoloni about his involvement and participation with Save the Storks. Luke Vercoloni is our guest, professional soccer player when Blessed to Play returns after this. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Welcome back to Blessed to Play. Ron Meyer joined today by Luke Vercoloni. If you listen to the first half of the show, you know that he has a talent for the game of soccer, of football, as they say in European nations. Played it a long time at the professional level, 15 seasons, and he went out with a bang. His Some of his best results came with the Colorado Springs switchbacks from 2015 to 2018. He talked about being in an attacking position, which led to 28 goals with the switchbacks. But Luke is more than just a talented soccer player. In fact, his faith means everything to him, his Catholic faith. And he's been very much involved with the pro-life cause with an organization called Save the Storks. And Luke, I don't want to steal your thunder, but they're doing s- such an important work for the pro-life cause and the many women that they serve. Absolutely. It's such a blessed opportunity for me to work with this ministry. I've stepped away from the game. Um, to, to do this. I went left pro soccer to do pro-life ministry full-time, and God just put it on my heart. I was um, volunteering with Save the Storks while I was finishing my last season as a pro uh, with the Switchbacks, and I had my last game on a Friday, 
and I started with them on a Monday. So there really wasn't much break in between, but it was just on my heart and I couldn't say no uh, to that calling. And it's been such a blessed um, career here in the pro-life ministry ever since leaving. I left one passion to go to another and it, it's not easy. You know, it's not all sunshines and rainbows, especially in the pro-life where there's spiritual attack with the enemy really focused on this, this evil, the evil of abortion, you know, so there's challenges at times, but I just can't be more grateful to where Lord, the, where the Lord has led me now. Let's talk about some of the practical things that Save the Storks does. I know they have a, uh, a mobile unit that goes around for pregnancy testing and ultrasound, but how does that serve the community and talk about what it does? Yeah, so that's what we're most known for. So a 10,000 foot view generally, we serve pregnancy centers and we help them with, we partner with them and help them with all sorts of amazing free services, services like fundraising, marketing, uh, donor development, leadership training, amazing stuff. We do a, a free conference for a lot of the pregnancy centers we work with and all sorts of great stuff. But we are most known for our mobile medical units, Ron, what you were just mentioning, where these big, beautiful mobile vehicles that have ultrasounds on them along with a big screen TV and speakers, surround sound speakers to, so the mom can hear the baby's heartbeat and they can see their baby on the ultrasound. And we park out in front of abortion clinics. Moms know that they have options. So as they go into that clinic, even though they're abortion-minded, um, when they come onto a stork bus and they receive that prayer and that counseling and those prayer warriors are outside of the clinic directing moms on, um, four out of five of those moms, they choose life for their child and for themselves, which is really powerful. Yeah, that's that's beautiful that they're doing that and giving them that option when they're just going to make a decision that's going to affect their uh, the rest of their life, perhaps definitely in a negative fashion. You must have some good stories that come out of this. Is there anything that comes to mind about when this mobile unit is parked outside of an abortion clinic and someone has changed their mind? Yeah, dozens and dozens of stories. We hear them every day. One thing I didn't share, though, we currently have 65 of these mobile medical units across the country, wow. and we're hoping through the grace of God, this is our 10-year anniversary, we're, we're trying to hit 100 this year. So we're trying to build and produce about 30 stork buses in just this year. So really incredible what God is doing through this ministry. But some of the stories that come to my mind, um, I think about uh, a, a couple, they weren't married, but they were dating, and um, the husband is being pressured to abort. And from his parents, and then the, the, the I'm sorry, the boyfriend, and then the the girlfriend, she was just really not knowing what to do, and they're on the stork bus, and um, and then they do the ultrasound, and they see twins, and the boyfriend was a twin, and he just, wow. like, dropped everything and just decided from that ultrasound right there on the spot, like, we are going to parent these children, and he has, and they, they both have, and that was powerful. And I, another story of, of, of a woman um, who, from... Um, where was she from? She was from uh, Latin America and she was about to be deported. And she felt like she had to have an abortion to stay in the country. And so she, you know, low income, a lot of pressure from all sorts of directions. And then um, a person, a lawyer, pro-life lawyer came alongside her, um, took her to the stork bus, saw the ultrasound. They, she fell in love with the baby and the lawyer helped her to stay in the country and have the baby. And so what happens so many times is when the mom 
finds out they're in an unexpected pregnancy, they see it as an obstacle, mm-hmm. the baby, because we all have our future plans, you know, and then we're like, mm-hmm. wow, they're going to have to shift. But then when they see the ultrasound, um, providentially, the baby is the greatest advocate, that little baby without a voice mm-hmm. and who can't stand on their own. And then when the mom realizes it's her child, which it is, um, instead of thinking this is an obstacle, the mindset shifts to thinking, how can I love and protect this child? So we want to be able to show as many ultrasounds to the front lines, to these critical situations, to the moment of decision. Bring bring these ultrasounds right to the moment of decision. And another story that comes to mind is just the impact of these buses in front of the abortion clinic where there's prayer warriors praying outside and directing moms on. We've shut down abortion clinics. And through the grace of God, it's a really powerful ministry. Yeah, and this is work at ground zero. We always, you know, a lot of times the pro-life uh issue is more politically, you know, get more news about that, but the work that they're doing here at Ground Zero and and changing lives literally uh, right before they make a a very uh, tough decision that's going to really affect their lives negatively. Uh, Save the Storks is doing some great work. Go to savethestorks.com to learn more. Luke, I want to transition into your work uh, also reaching out to men. And athletes have a pulpit because, you know, men like sports and uh, they certainly listen to professional athletes. You have a platform and you're using this platform to encourage men spiritually. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. It's a calling as well. And we started this ministry called Inferno four and a half years ago. It's a ministry to men here in the Diocese of Colorado Springs. Um, we, we do outreach events, we do small group and we do some discipleship as well. But it's really been catching fire and growing in recent years. Our last conference, we had over 400 men attend. And um, we, we've really struck a chord because in this culture right now, men are, are kind of encouraged to be passive or, you know, we've heard the term toxic masculinity as if masculinity is a bad thing. And um, there's been a lot of isolation, you know, um, and um, there's been emasculation. So, there's a real need out there. And as we get together as men and we can see how it enriches our spirits, um, it's really attractive and encouraging. And more men are drawn into these small groups and this, uh, these events that we put on. And it's cool to see the Holy Spirit really setting this city on fire, getting these men's heart lit up. And a lot of them start their own small groups. And we just see the spiritual multiplication because there's a, there's a great need. And I, I always say that the God of the universe chose to transform the world through a man by sending his son um, to go camping with 12 other men for three years. And you know what? It actually worked as crazy as that sounds. So it's not about uh, winning the vote. Um, you know, a numbers game is not about getting 51%. Mm-hmm. I think about Jesus. He lost the only election he ever entered into. He lost to a no-name criminal named Barabbas or son of man. The, the son of man lost to a, a no-name son of man. And um, so we're not always going to win um, elections, but the culture will be won in the confessional booth and not the election booth. And uh, we really believe that these small groups, one one soul at a time, encouraging each other, leading our families, strengthening the church will really transform the culture. And that's what I've been excited to be a part of as well. Yeah, some good words there. And I think men are tired of being sick and tired. So if you were to boil down some of the three challenges or detriments of being a male in our society, what's keeping uh, men from having this uh, healthy masculinity, what would you say they they would be? Well, I I do think that there's a crisis in friendships. 
Um, even statistically, we hear that um, it's five times more likely from um, 2018 to 2021 that um, there then the man will have no friends. It as a uh, you know maybe and you only need a few friends, but for five times more because of COVID, because of culture, because of so many things. Um, there are a lot of men who don't have someone to go to, doesn't have that fellowship, that accountability, that encouragement. Um, and then a third of the men in the church, they don't know any other man in the church by first name basis. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the church is, is amazing. Um, but at the same time, on the personal level, like the, the sacraments and the prayer and the history and the tradition and the smells and the bells, it's such an amazing place. But um, we can't just become Christian through osmosis. We have to be participate participants. And so um, the faith is always at risk of being lost at every generation. And so this generation needs to fight for it. We can't just passively sit by and say, you know, I check those boxes, my kids goes to this class, and but we need to be actively participating. So I think passivity, I think friendship. And lastly, I'd say prayer. I'd say um, we need to pray more. It's all God. It's all grace. It's all the Holy Spirit. And when we can tap in, that's another thing that really takes us away from prayers, just the busyness of our lifestyles today. And I'm guilty as well, for sure, you know, with smartphone and social media and accessibility 24-7. So um, we need to shut it all down and pray as Jesus would go off in a deserted place often, especially before he would do any public miracles or any any big decisions. So, yeah, we need to pray. We need to have that fellowship, and we need to be proactive and inactive and no longer being passive on the sidelines. Well, Luke Vercoloni has been our guest. Uh, what a career he did have on the pitch, playing professional soccer for 15 seasons, but also doing some great work with Save the Storks, uh, really embracing the pro-life movement and affecting the lives of women who are going to make some tough decisions Right before they do, they could go into that mobile unit, get a pregnancy test, an ultrasound, and I, I, I think it's going to be for free too, right, Luke? Yes, sir, absolutely. So, uh, you know, if you see one of those mobile units coming into your town, you know they have a good purpose and uh, maybe uh, stop by and say hi to them and encourage them in the work that they're doing. Luke, thanks so much. I appreciate the time. It's always good chatting. I wish you all the best with uh, Save the Storks and Inferno. And thank you for joining us here on Blessed to Play. It's been a pleasure, Ron. God bless you, man. Hey, Blessed to Play fans, check us out on the web at www.blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed, the number two, play.com. You could like us on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter at Blessed to Play. For Luke Vercoloni, I'm Ron Meyer. We'll catch you next time right here on Blessed to Play. You've been listening to Blessed to Play with host Ron Meyer on the EWTN Global Catholic Network. If you have a question or comment about today's show, feel free to email us at info at blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed, the number two, play.com. You can also connect with the show on the web at www.blessedtoplay.com. Again, that's blessed, the number two, play.com. Join us again next time for Blessed to Play on the EWTN Global Catholic Network.